and welcome to our fifth annual WWDC preview episode. We're going to be running down the hottest rumors, the sickest leaks, and of course, we'll be jumping into our hoedown throwdown. Don't say no down. Is Apple doomed or not? Texas deathmatch. So strap on your home pod and pull up your listening pants. This ride going to get buck wild. John, your predictions. Think of it. Anybody who who gets that joke is probably too old to go to WWDC anymore. Because when I go there, I look at around all these kids, and they never they, they never listen to that radio. They don't know what that's a parody of. And that's going to do it for this year's massive WWDC preview episode. We want to thank Homebox, Mattress Blast, Funky Bank, and Gerald the Time Guy for all their support. Please remember to like and subscribe. It really helps the show. See you next year. Can you explain the, the Gerald? I know your impression of him on the, <sighs> the program, but I don't know the origin. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the actual time guy. <sighs> it's I know. Storm- I know the guy who has the question marks all over his, his jacket, <laughs> right. getting money from the government. But that's yeah. different than the time guy, right? Right. The government. That, that was Matthew. I forgot that guy's name. The Riddler, uh, they call him. <laughs> it started because there was a challenge. I forget whose it was. This is on Dubai Friday. There was a challenge to, um, basically, I had accidentally uncovered the cesspool of. Oh, I, I'm. It's come back to me now. Yeah, right, the cesspool of like terrible self help podcasts on uh, via Overcast, and like just because I'd occasionally see the tip of the iceberg, but I started really looking. And they were so bad. So many of them were just basically ads for a ebook. You know, they'd be like, you know, if you want the full episode, you got to go here, and it's six ninety five. And, and Max, Max invented this this character, and he's Gerald, the time guy. And because there's all these tips that are just like, it's just tips for the lonely, lonely man. That's Gerald, also, Gerald wasn't guy. a real one of the ones. I was going to say he must have been one of the real uh, productivity scam podcasts, but no, that was a, was a fabrication. It's very yeah. difficult to tell because a lot of the real ones were not far off. Oh my god! And and the, maybe the worst part, of course, was that like as soon as we had done that, ours and most of our friends' feeds were like perma screwed with the suggestions. It was really <laughs> bad, so bad. <sighs> How you doing? Doing all right. You pumped? No, just hanging in there. This is a wraparound episode. A wraparound episode is when we already have an episode recorded, and because it's often summertime, we need to have other episodes recorded. So actually, WWDC will be probably a month over when this comes out. I don't know. Who, can, who can say? Who can say? Who can say? How does time work? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're going, right? I am going there. That's why I can't record next week, because I will be in San Jose doing the things that you do at WWDC. Excited? Yeah. Yeah. It beats working. <laughs> am I right? Mm-hmm. Up here. <laughs> yeah. I had chummy for dinner. I'm kind of out of it. Um, I'm trying to send you an image, and it's not working. Um, so deal with the bullseye. Is that your icon now? Oh, just for now. It's from Hawkeye. It's just a fun thing. <laughs> I loved I loved it when you got called on that pronunciation on, on the, one of your recent podcasts. I'm like, yes, finally. What? Hot guy? Yeah. Is, is he a hot guy or is he not hot oh, guy? Oh, man. God. Because no one can understand, no one can understand well, the you, words you think, that you say. Well, it's also a joke in the comic that there's a there's a neighbor that thinks his name is hot guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I pronounce right. Hot guy. I read a couple issues of that comic. Hot guy. You say hot guy. Hot, yeah, well, you hear hot guy when I say it? That's what you say. <laughs> This is the messaging app for teens. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have fun, don't we? Did you send me a picture? Wait, did I, did I send it the wrong thing? 
No, I sent it. I, know, I was looking at the wrong thing. Oh, who was that? Gerald the Time Guy? Yeah. We were thinking about making. It's a. It's it's. You can't really talk about it too much, but uh, that's for that's for uh, Patreon listeners. There's going to be a thing. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Isn't it cute? Looks a little bit like an alternate version of you because you had like a weird little mustache at some point, didn't you? He does. But here's the crazy part is when this, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to cut this out. Um, well, I don't have to cut it out. Who cares? Uh, basically when this, when this particular piece was drawn, it just won't make any sense. But when this piece was drawn, I was like, oh my God, this is so great. A, this is exactly what I thought Gerald the Time Guy would look like. And B, he reminds me favorably of that one guy in Napoleon Dynamite. Yes, yes, that guy. That's that's who I was thinking of. Although I, when I was picturing Gerald the Time Guy, I was picturing Cliff Stahl. Who's that? Cliff Stahl. Uh, he wrote the Cuckoo's Egg, mm, and wow. he currently he's currently much much older than that because again time passing, mm-hmm. uh, and he's featured in a lot of uh, Brady Heron's Number File videos. Oh, that guy, yeah, with the crazy hair. But, yeah. Right, but it originally his original claim to fame was the, the the novel The Cuckoo's Egg, which is him tracking down a hacker when he was at Berkeley. Oh. And then he has spent a long time being an internet naysayer. Do you remember that? No, I don't. It's like the, the internet is bad, huh. uh, and we should not have the internet or be on it. And now he does number five videos, I guess. Anyway, the point is he's got sort of frizzy, uh, big hair. I see. Very excitable. But then the funny part was, when I said that about how he looked like the guy from Napoleon Dynamite, Max told me that there was exactly one note that he had given to the artist about Gerald the Time Guy, which was maybe he would want to make him look like that one guy in Napoleon Dynamite. There you go. Nailed mm-hmm. it. System works. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, I heard, um, what was it on? Something, oh, yeah, I know what it was. It was that guy, um, uh, what's his name? Guy, what's his name on NPR? Has that show, the Ted, the Ted Radio Hour? And uh, Jaron Lanier was on. Woo! He's he's not as excited about the future as he used to be. I don't know who that is. What yes, is that? you do. He's the the guy with the dreadlocks on Wired magazine and the and with the uh, virtual reality. What's his name? J a r o n l a n i e r. He was like on every Wired cover in the late nineties. Remember when virtual mm. reality was right around the corner? Yeah, I don't recognize him, but that See, doesn't mean this anything. Is, I mean, he, he looks like every other white guy with dreads. Are you marking me? me right now? You honestly no, don't like, he looks like every other white guy with dreads. Uh, oh, and wow, I, and wow, I read wow. Wire during those times, but he would have blended in. I savored Wire. Oh, I loved it. From the very first issue, I loved it. I, I, did I tell you I spent like uh, the past two years trying to stop having Wired sent to my house? <laughs> no. It's very difficult. Huh. Very, very difficult. Is it, is it Condé Nast? Well, that's the thing. Uh, knowing something like that doesn't help you. Like for you know, year one, I was already like, "Look, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this online." I'm gonna I, I just call, mean in the sense that they're not—they're the not a scrappy startup in uh, in San Francisco. It's it's part of a big publication company, right? But Condé Nast, as they have told me repeatedly, is can't stop my subscription because I didn't buy it through them. Somehow, I bought mm. it through like a reseller or something, and then I have to track that thing or entity down and tell it to stop this is why it's good to get your credit card stolen on the internet uh, occasionally totally like it's like it's good to have lightning strike and have a big forest fire to you know sort of clear things out and to cause the uh the pine cones to put their seeds and germinate or whatever the hell yeah. and having your having your credit card stolen on the internet every once in a while is good because all those things that you can't stop from repeatedly charging your credit card because you can't find the person to tell please stop sending me this thing yeah stop working 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because they have your old credit card number and that card is canceled. And that's that. I think that's the only way. Oh, unfortunately, I think they have one of my newer credit card numbers that I actually don't want to get stolen because it's one of the ones I've memorized now. Oh, wow. Um, but anyway, I've tried to cancel the subscription many, many times. And yet they, the magazines keep coming to my house. I don't think I'm being charged anymore, but the magazines keep coming. So I don't, I don't know what to do. So I still well, that get wired. Like, that sounds like a really like a real tightly run operation. Well, I mean, I bet at least a part of that that is not deliberately malicious is that those are such different business units. Like there's the Wired Magazine content, the Nicholas Thompson stuff that you're interested in, the editorial stuff. There's the website that runs, which is not run by the people who are writing the articles. And certainly the fulfillment on the publishing end is like a completely different operation. But even beyond that, it's like some other company sold me the subscription. So like the little label that comes on my issues that has like numbers on it and stuff. Yeah. Those numbers, like they can look up my subscription, but they said, but we can't cancel this because you didn't buy it through us. You have to find the the entity that you bought it through and cancel it with them. I'm like, just (sighs) stop sending me magazines and charging me money because I don't read them anymore. I can't believe just anybody's allowed to send you mail. It's so weird. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's frustrating. I've got a couple shows in Hulu that I can't take off my list and it's driving me crazy. I don't know why. I don't like when things like that happen. It's very troubling to me. Hulu, Hulu app is reminding me more and more of the old Windows 8 interface where it's just like a big empty canvas with some like sans serif text floating around on it. Mm-hmm. Right? Hulu's always just putting some weird color gradient background up with way too thin sans serif text. Uh, so hard that, to read. Telling me something that I don't want. Like what I want to do is keep watching the thing I was watching and they have a keep watching section, but that's not the default. No, no. The I default? mean, everything that you, well, they've made a couple recent updates that have been, they've added a couple things recently that are very, very good, but the, still the basic way that stuff is organized is not, it's not organized in any way that somebody who, used the app a lot would want to find stuff. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, just getting around, getting to the, my stuff area and the scrolling around and their whole like icons and cards interface. The idea of wanting to flip through TV shows, one card at a time is, is so bizarre. Another one that kills me though, is I, at this point, I really feel like if apps are the future, there needs to, I don't want to say a separate button, but like the menu button means too many different things. Like it's, if you're several levels deep hierarchically and you followed links, you have to menu like six, seven, eight times to get to the top. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's really hard to get around. That's a terrible app. And the whole concept of these apps that have like a, my stuff section is like this whole thing should be my stuff. Yeah. Everything that's not my stuff should be in a little section. Well, the the corollary is anything that's not my stuff. It's not the way I would want to discover anything. Nobody shows, I mean. I have to guess there aren't that many people who watch a lot of TV who sit down, sit down and go, Oh, I want to go look at the movies section or I want to go to sports. I want to watch sports. Like, no, you want to watch the warriors or whatever. Like you have your things and you can add those things, but it is, it is a lot of clicking. I continue to think that this, the single toughest to use part of all these things that we've talked about this probably every other week is the amount of horizontal scrolling in a very, very small area. The, the amount of, st- okay, so, you know, because because of the aspect ratio of TVs, I guess they've decided that horizontal lists are not a good idea, mostly, which I think is terrible. I, iTunes is, is a very bad perpetrator of this with TV, as you know. But Hulu, most of the stuff you need to do is at that second level of hierarchy. Like there's the my stuff and everything at the top. And then there's that row of like how you get to my channels and stuff. 
And it's such a narrow, um, like, uh, vertical amount of space that you have to stay in for when you're scrolling right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so it's it's the game. Try try to scroll right and left without accidentally moving up and down. With that said, have you seen the new edition where you uh, you swipe up from the bottom of the touchpad area? Oh no, I have not. It's, this is this is in the last week or two. Uh, if you're watching a show, it used to be when you swiped up from the bottom, you got a card like interface of like here's every other thing that's on right now. Well, guess what they finally did? They finally brought in some classic 1980s technology, and now when you swipe up from the bottom you can go up and down vertically in an actual list of all the other channels. And there's a recent channel section with a, you, you, where you scroll up and down vertically. It's really, it's so much better. It's still not good, but it's way better than what it used to be. There. I, I can't imagine you're using it to watch like TV, TV, and I don't yeah. do that. I'm just using it to watch Hulu content, but I can't imagine using that interface to actually watch TV. No, it's, it's really, really terrible. And I keep saying to myself, like, you know, I, I I'm really trying to develop, habits and muscle memory to, you know, given the constraints of the box, given the deficits of the remote, I keep trying to remind myself, like there is a better way to do all these things. You must remember to do them. Don't act like a monkey and do it the way it seems like you should do it. Learn the right way to do it. So for me, most of the time, if I know exactly what I want, I use Siri and I'm trying to make myself use the TV app, but the TV app is not there yet. It doesn't have everything in it. It's really kind of just a slightly, mostly a slightly different view into buying iTunes stuff. That's what it wants to be. I mean, the TV app could be so much better. And I, I think it's a, it's a promising like beta, <laughs> but like it's still, that, that is the easiest way. If, if you, if, so unlike, I believe, uh, oh, we should do follow up. Uh, no, Plex. Plex is not accessible via TV. So. No. No. It, it doesn't have the, it shows up in the continue playing box at the top though, doesn't it? I don't think it does. And I'm also it does sure, not work with sure Siri. Hmm, okay. Uh, I've, uh, like the continue playing is like not in the TV app, but just on the main menu screen of your Apple TV. It's got all your icons, but then at the top, it's got a bunch of 16 by nine boxes, right? That's where I think Plex shows up. I'll, I'll oh, no, no. Plex will show up in the giant, um, what we call it on the web, the the big area at the top. Like if you're at the top level at the home page, yes, it will show up in cards at the top. But if you go to the TV app, mm-hmm. none of your Plex content is getting. Like if you started watching a, a Doctor Who uh, in Plex, it's not going to show up to continue watching in TV. Yeah, but why would you go into the TV app if it already says continue watching at the top and the big card thingies? Because you only want to have to go to one place and not oh, have to remember where you are watching mm-hmm. it. No, you know, apps, apps are the future of TV. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. No. But try that. Try that flick up thing. It's uh, it's better. It's not great, but it is better. <sighs> it's also exhausting. So do I have any follow-up on Dubai Friday's follow-up? Oh, well, you mentioned... <laughs> I'm not trying to... I'm not deliberately trying to turn every podcast into a podcast about another podcast. I wanted to know if you wanted equal time to talk about Spoons. Uh, it's okay if no, you want to say no. No, okay, good. it's okay that I know and you know. Yeah, that Max, Max was wrong. Yeah, okay. frequently. Good, now I'm going to have to get follow-up. Because well, he doesn't listen. That's what I'm going to say. Because he doesn't... I don't like, think he... Maybe he doesn't listen he's, actively. He's not an active listener. Not an active listener. Are talking about listener. this with listening to music, uh, John Roderick? And, and you're like, do you ever have just music on the background where you're not listening to right. it? Or do you... Are you actually listening to the song? Yeah. Um... But uh, I got some nice fall, uh, feedback and follow up uh, for both shows where people were like people like I Mike felt like the, he was uh, he was well portrayed, which is nice. He was happy with the, his portrayal, which I had concerns about. Uh, 
All right. Uh, I got a weird mini topic for you. Um, have you tried using Google Assistant on your Nest Cam, your IQ Cam? Did, well, first now, of all, did you know? Did you know well, you can do that? I think I got an email about it recently, but I've already forgotten what what is it that I would do? Would I talk to my camera? Tell you tell me. Well, essentially, what they're doing is like they're doing some you know integration between the different parts of I don't know Alphabet, Google, whatever it's called this week. <clears throat> and the idea is that if you go into your the app for Nest, and in my case, I just I only use it for cameras. I don't have a thermostat. And you go in and you click on your camera and, you know, you can go in and configure your camera. And there's now an area in there called Google Assistant. And you can choose to turn on Google Assistant for your IQ cam. And there's a second, uh, whatever they call it, like a radio button, flipper button, that will bring in more of your, like, personal information. And just for fun, without thinking about it too much, I, I flipped on the one. I flipped on the, yeah, let, let Google Assistant work. And I was amazed that it worked. So the idea is... You walk into the room wherever your IQ cam is, and you can hail it and do Google Assistant things. So if you don't, and like in your case, you've got the the Google Dingus. I do not. I've only used Google Assistant on on the phone just for fun. Uh, and I thought, hey, you know that could be really cool. I'll try that. We've got one by the front door. I should flip it on and uh, and try it. And I did it. I asked a couple things. What time is it? What's the weather? And yeah, it, it worked okay. So you ask you ask the camera. The camera has a microphone, as you know, mm-hmm. and a speaker. And when Google Assistant, if Google Assistant is turned on using the hailing phrase, uh, your IQ cam will then operate as a Google Assistant device, and it will talk back to you. Well, that's not great, because I've got Google things in the... Ugh. That was my thought exactly, and that's why I turned it off, because what I did was I, I flipped it on, I went downstairs... I said, hey, Dingus, what time is it? And it worked. It was great. And then I thought, wait a minute. Is this really something I want people at my front door to be able to do? Yeah, no, um, I got halfway through that setup process while you were talking. And although this was fun, so it it prompts me for my two-factor thing. But the two-factor thing is I'm also on my phone where I'm doing the same thing. So I have to hit the home button and then go to my two-factor thing to get the code. Mm -hmm. Right? And then I go back to the app that I was in. And it has forgotten that it was asking me for two-factor. I have to start the process. Oh, that's fun. That's a very Apple-like experience these days. Yeah, I see that a lot where an application (laughs) will ask for a two-factor code. But if you leave the app in any way, you have to restart that entire process. So it becomes like a race. You get the two-factor code, then you have to quickly get back up to that point. John, I I know I'm not a seasoned technologist, but I have have got to be in at least the 5% of people who are willing to turn on two-factor authentication and are pretty good at having all the devices ready to go. When I first flipped, from two, what was it? What's it? What's the other one called? Two, two step. Yeah. When I we, so I guess when you turn on, was it touch ID? No, something something changed, and you had to switch from uh, to get to two factor. Oh my god! Nothing I did was fast enough, and it took. I want to say at least half an Curse hour. Curse your metal I, body. <laughs> no spoilers. Uh, he's not in that one though, right? Uh, the most recent one that you yeah. haven't seen? No, he's not. Yeah. Um, but you, I mean, when you first set up two-factor, I mean, I'm pretty good at this stuff. And man, it was so, it was really the most video game-like experience in setup I've ever had to deal with in order to like get your code done in time, to be able to log in. And it was it was completely mental. It's the worst. I you do it just hard mode and it's like, uh, you know, three failed attempts and it locks you out and you got to call someone on the phone. <laughs> yeah. 
So slightly related question I'm curious about. Um, so Gruber's been talking about two-factor on Twitter, and David Friedman was jumping in. Because uh, I, 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 I haven't followed the whole thread, but I guess Gruber's trying to move everything to one app for all of his two-factor stuff. And I had just kind of helpfully said to David, hey, you might want to give 1Password a try, because it does a couple of really nice things. It'll, it'll, it'll be your code generator for all those different services. And if you're logging in on a Mac... So like when you auto enter in something like Amazon, it does your email, it does your password, and then it automatically puts the code into your clipboard uh, for like 30 seconds. So you can just paste it right in. And he made an interesting point. He's like, yeah, I love 1Password. I've used it for years, but I feel like I want to have my two-factor in a different app than my passwords. And I was like, hmm, I actually had not thought of that. That's, let me ask you, is that, is that a smart thing to do? Is that, a, is that a, now you have your own opinions about security and going too far. Uh, is that a good idea, you think, to make sure everything's not all in the same I, app? I mean, it makes sense. Like, we've all had the experience I just mentioned on my phone where you're doing something on your phone and it prompts you and, uh, for a, a two-factor that's also on your phone or it sends you a text message also to your phone. So it's like anytime the device you're trying to use is also your two-factor thing, it eliminates the second factor because once someone's, you know, got access to that one thing. They've got both of them. Yeah. Um, that's true. I, I had not but, thought of that. Uh, I mean, on the Mac, it's the same way. Like you'll try to do something like, it, it, but on the other hand, if they have your phone or they have your Mac, like the whole, the whole two factor thing is, you know, something, you know, which is in theory, your password and something you have, which is your thing with uh, the two factor codes. So you have your phone, you have your Mac, you have your RSA token or whatever. Uh, if they have your phone or they have your Mac, they basically have your second factor. And there's no real safe place you can move that except for a dedicated device like a hardware uh, RSA like a token or something. Or something. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't happen somewhere. So say you, I mean, having it a different piece of software, I'm not sure that's that big of a benefit. But uh, having it on a different device makes you feel like, ah, oh, it's two-factor. Like if you, for example, if you were doing something on your Mac and it sent a text to your phone, you're like, haha, in order to get into this, someone will need to, to know my password and then also to have my phone in addition to the thing they're logging in from. So I'm on my Mac, but if I didn't have my phone, I wouldn't be able to log in. Mm-hmm. But the problem with everything being in the cloud is that your phone, your Mac gets the same iMessages that your phone does if you have it set up that way. So if you're, you're doing second the SMS factor. one, yeah. Yeah, all right. So there's, I mean, I think, where would I put my second factor that it actually is separate? And there really is no place with everything being cloud connected again, except for a separate hardware device. Um, separate software is like, well, if, if there's a, a flaw to be exploited in one piece of software, they'll get everything or whatever. But the whole idea of one password is right there in the name. Uh, if they get that one password, they've got a lot of stuff. So if you're really into diversity, you would have your passwords also spread through multiple things. So I, I don't know. I'm, I get that uneasy feeling when my second factor is the same thing that I'm logging in for, but I don't, I don't know a good solution to it. Um, and I also don't use one password for a lot of the same reasons that Gruber doesn't, but uh, not for this specific reason about separating my factors. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like you, you use like, a, like a password diary. Yeah, I, I bought one at Walmart. And I just write down my passords in it. Um, no, we we both use Keychain. <laughs> Does it have a picture of a lock on yeah, it? We both use Keychain, so uh, because it's like the built-in thing, and I've been wary of this, despite the fact that I've bought one password, I think multiple times by now. Uh, but I've just never, never been able to get myself to convert wholesale. So I'm mostly mm-hmm. just going with uh, Apple's Keychain, which also, by the way, syncs across devices through cloud stuff. And then I have a separate third-party application for uh, two-factor. In fact, I have multiple, not not intentionally, not for a diversity reason, but I have multiple third-party applications for two-factor. Just 
out of necessity with work and home stuff and all that. Yeah, I know. I know. I, <clears throat> I tried a while back to consolidate some of that because it makes me nervous to have three different apps I'm using for that all on my phone. And it's like, well, what if something happens to my phone? And like, you know, I've got the backup codes, but blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, I, one thing that confuses me with moving to High Sierra finally is that so at a certain point, you're like logged out of Keychain in Safari now. Am I getting that right? Like, like, if, uh, like, I think you, you need, like, I, it's, it prompts me for my password sometimes, my uh, Mac password, in order to be able to fill in. Do you have your keychain auto lock set on? Like, we're auto lock after a certain period of time? I don't That's know. That's a keychain setting on your Mac. I must. Like, just not just for Safari, but overall. Like, you can set keychain to say, if I haven't used it or unlocked it or whatever in a certain period of time, it automatically locks and then will reprompt you to prevent someone from getting access to your Mac and then having all your passwords forever and ever. Right. Yeah. And that's why, that's why it's a, a, it's interesting to me because most of the time it doesn't seem to prompt me in Safari, but like, for example, it's prompting you. It might just be because the like identity of, of Safari, the application changed when you upgraded the OS and now it's reprompting hmm. you for access to keychain items that the old version had. I don't know. I, after an OS upgrade, all sorts of stuff is weird. You got to wait till you get to a steady state. If you go to Safari preferences, passwords, that's why I just opened up Safari on my office Mac. It says Safari passwords are locked to unlock. Enter the password for the user, so-and-so. I was just going to go look at that, but then I realized I'm running El Capitan on the computer I'm sitting in front of, so I can't even check. <laughs> you know, you know, this was part of our, our big preview. Uh, you know, I bet there's going uh, to be some big announcements, you know, hardware and whatnot. By, by the time this comes <laughs> out, that'll be so far <laughs> in the past. But see, that's, that keeps us honest, you know? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. already done. Check our maths. How did we do? Yeah. We'll get the spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's kind of cool, though. I mean, you know, for the garden variety user, it's kind of neat that you could get that experience from your Google thing. But uh, yeah, I don't and know. I guess it's maybe trying to get two products set up because I like the speaker on those things must be terrible. And I can't imagine the mics being that good. So I guess like, you know, I paid all this money for this fancy camera. And now I can also ask it the weather. Eh, mm-hmm. It's a nice twofer, but I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I unless there's some other feature I'm not thinking of. Like, how about this? Maybe. Maybe if I could speak into the air and tell the camera to turn on and off, maybe I'll enable it if I can do that. Maybe I can do that already. I don't even know. I'll have to find out. Because occasionally I have the thing where it, the camera turns on and off based on a schedule and yeah. on the location of the phone. I have all of these heuristics about when the things turn on and off. But sometimes it gets confused, and I feel like it should be off. The, the, the state machine that's supposed to be determining whether it's on or off gets gets out of whack, and I have to manually turn it on or off, which isn't hard from the app. But if I could just yell into the air, that would be nice. So maybe I'll look into that. That's been great with the Amazon product. They're, like I said, they're, they're, uh, the routines that they've introduced are, are real handy uh, for that stuff. I've been enjoying that a lot. But um, yeah, oh, what was I going to say? Google. So you still like your, your Google little machine, right? Uh, which ones? The cameras or the no, little the, cylinders? Uh, no, I mean the, um, the, what's it called? Home? No. Home and the Home Mini. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I still like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter still is the biggest user, and she every morning she yells down the stereo what the weather is. I feel like we should just like move one of them up to her room so she doesn't have to yell. But yeah, we use it all the time. She needs to know. She needs to know the weather, despite the fact that you know she has many other ways to get the weather. She likes talking. That's her favorite way to do it. She likes yelling down the stairs to the cylinder. Yeah, uh, Echo. Said- well, she asks for the weather every morning, and yeah. then does nothing with that information, as far as I can tell. Because like your daughter, or was it your characterization of your daughter? She she can't conceive of it ever being a different temperature than it is right now. Right. 
Why would right, I need a so, jacket? Why, it's so hot in here right now. I, I would die right, if I had a jacket I, right I, now. I just ran a mile and I'm really hot. I'll never need a jacket again for the rest of my life. Yeah. Not even in winter because I'm hot now. Um, so she asked the weather every morning. And regardless of what the cylinder says, she dresses however she was going to dress to begin with, which very often has no relation to the actual weather. Oh, it was so satisfying. We went on a hike, I guess, weekend before last. And we we're like, yeah, it's going to be windy, a little bit cold. But of course, you know, she wouldn't hear it. She was so cold. It was awesome. No, it was, you know what it was? It was when we went to the ball game. We went to the Giants game. Mm-hmm. That's what she was. She ended up wearing all your clothes. Though. That's right. That's right. But because she refused to believe that it could be cold outside. Yeah. I, I, you know, the whole echo thing with the sending the message to somebody. I think I'm with Jason Snell. I don't think that's as weird as everybody else thinks it is. It, it is weird how hard it is to turn off the phone and messaging stuff once you've turned it on. But I think it's really overblown. I mean, it's, it's straightforward. Like, it, it would be really weird if that was not a feature. What we're talking about, by the way, is the Amazon's uh, Echo devices that had some bug where it recorded a conversation and then sent it, sent to, it to some random contact. Yeah, sent, sent it to some contact as like a voicemail. It would be weird if that wasn't even a thing that it could do. But it is a thing that it could but, do. But you that's, can the problem is that's not how it was reported. It. What a, the way that it was reported and then re-reported was an Amazon Echo recorded someone's conversation and sent it to a random person was how it was recorded. And that's not really what happened. What happened was that it, it misheard that it had been hailed and then it misheard that it wanted to send a message to a given person whose name it misheard. Maybe that person was mentioned in the conversation, but I mean, it's not, it's not good news for Amazon, but it wasn't anything nefarious. I mean, it's no more buggy than any other voice related thing. Really? And I'm glad I mean, they discovered it. it. it just, I'm glad they discovered it, just, it and they, sh- they should make it way easier. If somebody's just curious and hits that button and says, oh, here, take all my contacts, you know, to turn that off, you have to call Amazon. It's really dumb. Yeah, although that, the interesting thing that highlights is uh, in order to get better about situations like this where people are having this long conversation and it turns out they say words that either sound like or actually are the trigger phrase, the name of a contact, a confirmation, so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a human would never do that because a human would understand, I can hear this entire conversation. Just because you say the sequence of words or things that sound like this, I know like you're obviously not asking me to do these things because there was like a thousand words in between there that have nothing, you're just talking, right? So in order for a cylinder to understand that, it needs to not just be sitting there waiting for a bunch of sound waves that sound like it's trigger words and it's confirmation words and the name of a contact. All It's got its memories. Like, if you say something now that sounds like a, tr- a trigger word, I will activate. And you say something now that sounds like a command, I'm yeah. just waiting for something that sounds like a command, I'll activate. Oh, it sounds like you have the command about how to send a voicemail, I'll just start recording. Oh, it sounds like you th- said the thing to stop recording, who do you want to send it to? I'll just wait to hear anything that sounds anything like one of your contacts. All your contacts, I know what they are in my head, I'm just waiting, right? But for it to get better at this, it would have to understand everything that you say, like semantically, everything that you say, not the things that are just commands, but everything in between. So it would have, have to, to understand know. it all semantically and have the ability to apply contextual clues. Right. And it would have to know, oh, you're talking about your mortgage and you <laughs> you think this person was mean to you at work. Like You would have to literally know like a human would know if it's listening. Right. Specifically, right? when I when I when I mentioned Deborah, I really don't want you to send it to Deborah. Please don't do that. I was I was gossiping about Deborah, right? Because I it, like it would have to understand your conversation the, the way a human understands it in order to know. 
are you talking to me? Are you asking me to do something? Or are you just having a conversation? And a cylinder that actually knew what you were saying all the time, semantically, mm -hmm. would be much more terrifying privacy-wise than a dumb thing that's sitting there waiting, listening for a bunch of trigger words that oh, yeah. you could say a thousand words in between, but if you hit the right trigger words every few minutes, you could cause this thing to happen. Um, although that, that I feel like is where we're going. There was a, in the Google I.O. demo, one of the demos they gave was interaction with the cylinder that involved a lot of uh, a lot of speech that was not a command to the cylinder, like in the same way you talk to a, a person, like thinking out loud to yourself. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, uh, you know, what's the weather today? Hmm, that sounds pretty hot. Um, I wonder if I should leave early. Uh, what's traffic like? All that stuff in between what's the weather today and what's traffic like? Are you like musing to yourself out loud? Or even just saying thank you to the thing or like other other words whether directed to the cylinder or not that are not for the cylinder I, apparently it understands enough about what you're saying yeah to just chill out and wait for you because it has this continued command mode like all these things uh except for apples do now where you don't have to say the the trigger word over and over again mm -hmm. you can just continue for a little while after and as you continue talking it doesn't just interpret everything you say after you know if you say what's the weather today and it tells you the weather it's not saying okay the next word out of your mouth better be a command right it's right. saying oh wait a little bit until uh, you get done talking about whatever it is you're talking about and I'll wait for the next command. And maybe it's just as dumb as the Amazon where it was just literally looking at everything you say and waiting for a command. Mm -hmm. But Google being Google, they had just earlier demonstrated how it has some understanding of the semantics of what you're saying so it can split compound commands into two sensible commands instead of one sensible command and a nonsense command. Yeah, Hound, so, Hound, can, Hound can do that really well. Um, still using that, that iOS app? No, no, I just I just thought it was amazing. Let me, let me try. I want to see how much this improved. Hang on one second. When is the Warriors game? The Warriors will play this Thursday at 6 p.m. at home against the Cavaliers. What time is it? Oh, I don't have the I don't have the command on here. I don't have the I don't have that flipped on. Let me try one from October. Election, what time is it? It's 7:04 p.m. Um, now you can make fun of me for my pronunciation, but uh, listening to a lot of NPR in uh, the run up to November, mm -hmm, you would not mm -hmm. believe. Election. Election. Heh, that's good. How many times you would fire off when anybody said election? So anyway, I, I don't want that by my front door is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> None of mine are external. All, all I'm using my cameras for now, like the, the main purpose of my camera is to see what my dog is destroying while I'm at work. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I forgot to tell you. So have you heard me whine and complain about I mean, there's elements of the ring doorbell that I think are a very neat idea uh, that really could have better implementation. But, I mean, you don't have a ring. Do you have a ring? I, I have the uh, camera one, not the doorbell one. Okay. Well, I mean, a joke with me and with Max and with anybody else who has the ring doorbell, It's everybody has a very similar experience of it rings, you fumble with your phone, <laughs> and maybe on one occasion ever, ever, ever have I been able to get into the app, have it connect, send the image where I could talk to the person before they're like actually like gone. It, it never comes up fast enough to actually talk to somebody. It finally happened last week and it was so freaking funny. My poor, <laughs> my poor landlord was so confused. Well, that's that I was going to say, that's who you're going to catch on the thing is someone who is persistent, who is like, no, no, right, right, right. Cause, cause ring, he ring. keeps ringing. He keeps ringing. Mm -hmm. And I go, um, Oh, Hey, 
You know, I was like, oh, hey, it's a. He's like, (laughs) it was like, it was like, are you inside the doorbell? Are you a ghost? <laughs> and and he, I wish you could see what I'm doing in my head. He was like turning his head like a like a Pomeranian, like looking at the camera, <laughs> getting his face up real close. I was like, "How's it going? I'm not here. Did you need me there?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mr. Landlord, this... my eyes are up here. <laughs> you win this one. But it was good. We had a nice conversation. Well, that's good. At least he can hear you and understand you. I, I sometimes will try to scold my dog, but very often I won't catch her in the act. I'll, I'll just see like the, the replay. And while you were in the meeting, your dog decided that the underside of your carpet is the most interesting thing in the world. Oh, no. Precious angel. My wife tries to talk to the cat over the canary, and it's really it's really sad to watch. You can just yell into the canary, what are you doing? What are you doing, Savvy? What are you doing? <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Eero. You can learn more about Eero right now by visiting Eero.com. That's E-E-R-O.com. With Eero, you'll never need to worry that your Wi-Fi isn't fast enough to stream movies or download files because Eero has created the Wi-Fi setup of your dreams. It's a fast, reliable connection throughout your entire house. The second-generation Eero includes a third 5 gigahertz radio, making it twice as fast as before. Whatever your Wi-Fi needs, Eero will blanket your entire home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. It sits flat on any surface. You just plug it into the wall with the included power adapter, and you're ready to connect your Eero either with Ethernet or wirelessly. And the included thread radio means you can connect to low-power devices like locks, doorbells, and even more. They also have this thing called the Beacon. This is very cool. These tiny little things you just plug into the wall. All you got to do is plug it in, and you're going to expand coverage to any room in your house. You can get as many as you need. You don't have to move to a different part of the house to get the Wi-Fi that you want. And each Beacon also includes a handy little uh, LED nightlight you can turn on or off. It's got an ambient light sensor. They're just the best. And the Eero app, I'm such a fan of the Eero app. It lets you control the network from your phone, so it's no hassle to create and share a guest network there. Plus, with their customer support, which is just phenomenal, you can call and get a hold of a Wi-Fi expert in just 30 seconds. I can't say enough good stuff about the Eero. We had a sleepover at my house recently. My daughter had her friend over, and she wanted to get on the Wi-Fi. And all I had to do was go in the Eero app, click on Guest Network, and all she had to do was point her camera at a little QR code, and boom, she was on our Guest Network, our Eero, without having to type anything in. Is just the best. Now, right now, you can go and get your own Eero system, including one second-generation Eero and two beacons for just $399. That's everything you're going to need to get started. And you don't have to wait weeks to get hold of your new dream Wi-Fi setup. Listeners of Reconcilable Differences can get overnight shipping to the U.S. or Canada when you head to Eero.com and use the promo code DIFFS. That's D-I-F-F-S. You go to Eero.com, use that promo code DIFFS for free overnight shipping. Our thanks to Eero for supporting Reconcilable Differences, and all of Relay FM. Um, how's it going? How's it going? Okay, we're in uh, a day. Well, yesterday was a holiday, so today was the first school day of my solo parenting week. Oh, God, right. (gasps) That's right. I forgot all about that. She's off gallivanting around doing her work, right? No, she's visiting family. Oh, how's it going so far with the the solo dadding? how, How are the lunches? I think I did okay today. Uh, dinners are a challenge now because I got the the vegetarian thing to deal with. It's, we're right? still we're still doing the vegetarian thing. Yep. No, no sign of waning. Although, definite sign of not wanting to eat healthy food anymore. <laughs> 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 you know, 
cupcakes are vegetarian, right? Yeah, technically, technically, yeah. yes, uh, but probably not a great dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and she, you know, and she's still on the second. She's always a kind of a second dinner person, but now even more, I feel bad when she goes for the second dinner, she's making herself oatmeal at like eight p.m. It's like that's because you <laughs> didn't like really want to eat Oliver. too much of your <laughs> vaguely healthy dinner that you're hungry again. We still can't get past the whole like I'm still like really up against it because both of my other family people are snackers and my lady frequently she you know she's had lunch earlier on she gets home and she starts she starts eating like oh i'm making dinner and my daughter she's she's hungry i say well it's good that you're hungry because you know we're gonna have dinner in a minute it's like a whole thing i've been working on this afternoon is 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 dinner and she's she's like homer with the burrito she just she just cannot wait and she has to have something before and it's like it's like pushing a rock so you got to get the broom. Like, I've chased my children out of the thing. Get out. I'm making dinner. This, you don't you see what I'm doing? I'm, the, this is what I'm making now. It's, <laughs> it's almost done. Like, it's going to be like oh, five and I'm a half minutes. Sit. In fact, in fact, just sit down at the table right now. And right. you'll have food faster than if you try to start, A, making a mess of the kitchen, and B, you know, trying to eat something. Oh, I, I sound like I sound like some mom in an after-school special, though, where she's like, I'm hungry. And I go, well, it's good that you're hungry, because dinner's coming to the table. <laughs> Um, what else? Go to the big list, close my keychain. And they're, they're going to replace all these 32 bit apps before it's too late, right? I mean, who's who's they? They, the man, the the the, the chief operating officer. Are they going to, oh. I mean, like, like the firmware, the 32 bit firmware. Uh, utility like that will get upgraded. I'm assuming before they get rid of 32 bit things, or they'll just let oh, it ride you're because it's about an Apple on the Mac. Yeah, uh, the first party ones uh, they will either go away or be replaced. The third party ones, but okay. So, but I mean, like, oh, there, there are many, many Apple originating apps that are 32 bit. Yeah, I, but the obvious question all, is they'll those are all candidates things. to go away. For example, DVD player is a good candidate to go away instead of being converted to 64 bit. Hmm. Because okay. they just don't ship it with the next version of the OS. Do I have that DVD player? Oh my god, it's still on here. And it 10, is 11, 2017? Really? Whoa. I mean, you can hook up a DVD player to your Mac and you can use that to play DVDs from it. But uh, I mean, will they yeah. continue to support that? QuickTime 7, for example, is not going to make it to 64. Oh, John, you have no idea likely. how screwed I am. I record all uh-huh. my ads in QuickTime Player 7. And I quote unquote edit Roderick on the line in the old garage band. <laughs> I'm so screwed. Why the can't com- you just keep using the same computer forever? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't as bad as you said in that episode of Roderick. I didn't say Roderick anything. On the line. What are you talking about? You shut your dirty mouth. I didn't say anything mm. about John Roderick being bad. No, I thought it was. No, fine. the whole time. <sighs> I heard you in my ear going, well, why don't we, it's your responsibility, Merlin. You're the one that has to explain to him why devices have to be upgraded. And I knew I was going to get a tongue lashing if I didn't explain things like security upgrades and like why you can't just have a device from 2011 that never changes. Now, now, now knowing you, the good cop, you're going to fire back at me and go, well, actually, you could totally have a... And you do it. You say it with those words like that. All I'm going to say is... John did not seem particularly persuaded by anything you had to say. It was just not a judgment on what you had to say. And more well, I don't a, think so. But you have listened to that show long enough to know when the tone that he's taking is not, and I want to be persuaded tone. 
Yeah, they make yeah, him rebuy know, the apps. He, he can't use those thirty pin chargers anymore. You know what they do to him? I know. We're just we're just trying to uh, to ramp up your level of assertiveness with John. He needs he needs uh what do you call it? Uh, not guidelines, limitations, uh, barriers, barriers. He, he needs Ooh. limits. Uh, oh. And then that, that's I I should do that. I I do that. That's right. You're the other per- you're the only other person on the show. It's you or it's nobody. <laughs> I'm recording both sides. So, um, yep. okay, all right. Well, thank you for the note. I'll, I'll make sure. And uh, is there anything specifically that you feel like I should say to him next time? Just in in, in our follow up mm, section. No, I thought I thought you both of your handling of that topic was uh, was actually pretty good. Especially because I figured out how to change the topic a little bit. Oh, and you switched to like customer support. I guess so. Yeah. I felt I felt bad for him with his flying stuff. That's a bummer. That's always a crowd pleaser, though. Talking about customer support. Isn't there a whole podcast about that? Weren't you on that podcast? Uh, Moises Chuyan at one point uh, had a, I think it was, what was it called? Thank you very much. Thank you for your service. He, that would be a good name for his show. He had a show uh, called, uh, uh, was the caller there? Uh, what was it called? Moises Chuyan customer service. Yeah, yeah. I think he had John on there in particular talking about United. Remember the, you remember the United experience? Yeah, I, I find it weird because, yeah, I know United has a bad rep, but uh, the reputation Delta has in my mind is just as bad. Ugh. I'm it's assuming it's because, like, Seattle is a Delta, you know, city. Uh, is it? I don't know. He made it seem like he doesn't have a lot of other options except Well, the United. bottom line is that he's, he's easily persuaded by John Hodgman. I think that's what it comes down to. Electric Shadow Giant Size. Thank you for calling. I'll put it in show notes. There you go. So you could have that kind of influence. Why does John Hodgman have that influence? You, you're more in his ear than I think Hodgman. he perceives John as higher status, and he kind of is. You know? That's a facade. He's got more Instagram followers. So he's, just the, he's the man behind the curtain, if ever there was one. Mm-hmm. I got another about 16 hours. I'll be on Instagram, so that'll be fun. You don't post oh, very I often. I, fo- I followed you on Instagram. You should, you should put more of your little sweet doggy up. Just go look, um, go look through all my past pictures. There's like 20 can total. Can I do that? You can do that, right? No, that's not a yeah, story. Yeah, so just click, click on okay. my face or in my follow list and then just scroll through all my pictures. There is not a lot of them. Okay, there's, all there's Mrs. Soup. There's John Roderick's face. Pete Souza. All right, I'm clicking. I, I was going to feel bad. Like you went through this uh, Instagram thing and you followed me and I'm never, I guarantee you, I'm never going to post a picture for the for the lifetime of that account. Well, that's upsetting. Like I, I really thought I thought I thought. I averaged like three pictures a year. Wow. But you enjoy so looking low, at it, huh? A low volume follow. But if you look at my past years of pictures. What, do you, what do you do with your latte art? Where do you even put it? Oh, look at. So, okay. You know what I wanted to mention? Sorry. Uh, did Kate really draw this like Supergirl? Yes. Jeez Louise. What is oh, wrong with killer, my kid? No Why my isn't feed. my kid like this? This is so good. You know she's talented, all. right? Yep. All right. You'll, you'll allow that? You're not going to you're not going to pick nits? Well, she is. <laughs> She definitely is. <laughs> She's not that talented. Several areas so, of improvement. <laughs> yeah. So one of the one of the things I have to do uh, before WWDC, before I leave for a mm-hmm. week to go to WWDC in California, is every year without fail I have to put in the window unit air conditioners because if I don't, then inevitably it will be nine thousand degrees and I will be gone and I'll hear about it. Yeah. So the, one of the, the things real I heavy, did, very heavy, very sharp window air conditioners that are up in your attic with all your Macs and boxes. Yes. So okay. one of the things I did on uh, this Memorial Day weekend, luckily I picked the cooler day to do it, um, although it was kind of rainy. 
uh, was I put in the window units. And in doing so, I had occasion to delve deeper into my daughter's room and see exactly how much stuff, new things she has gotten paint on. We already <laughs> know about the floor and the walls. Now I'm also finding out she got them on the heater, on the windowsill. She has a bunch of yarn in her room for, you know, like complete skeins of yarn, like just in the package from the store, yeah. right? Yeah. Paint on those. There's paint on them. Paint on the yarn. Paint on the on the unopened yarn, <laughs> which basically says like you can never use that for any sort of yarn things because you'd be knitting with it and halfway through your white yarn, you'd get a huge section of black because there's black paint on the yarn. Hmm. Uh, yeah. There is her room. When, when she finally moves out of this house someday, mm-hmm. when we take all the furniture out of that room and just strip it down and just see exactly how destroyed that room is, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hell of a thing. You're not going to get the deposit back. No. No, we're going to have to, you know, sand the floor ceiling and, and, and all the walls and repaint and refinish everything. It's going to be a Gordon Ramsay type situation. You have to come in, like, power wash the whole thing. Yeah. Or yeah. Just, just fill the entire room with, like, acetone or something and then drain it. <laughs> I love your brain. Uh, my lady uh, tried an experiment that has worked out so far. They're not a sponsor of the show, but, um, well, I won't even say. One of the uh, food delivery box places that focuses more on groceries than prepared meals. Uh, they do kids' lunches now, and uh, the first day of it has been very successful so far. It's probably too late for you to do that now, but I know lunches can be a source of drama for you. I don't know if they have a vegetarian option, but you could sure ask. My, well, I was going to say my kids are so picky about their lunch, but I think my wife is also picky about what my kids get in their lunch, that it's, it's way too complicated. First okay. of all, like we, yeah. we know from the, the, experience, uh, the I, experience I understand. With, I understand all too well. All parents, well, usually at least one parent, parent is very, as you say, hypercritical about that kind of stuff. And whether it's the ingredients, the freshness, the packaging comes up a lot. Like everybody's real picky about something. Yeah, and the kids, they, they, they change all the time. Like, that's why I have, my wife always does the lunches, except for when she's not here. So that's why I have her write down, what are you currently giving the kids for their lunches? Because maybe you traveled just a month ago, but what you're currently giving them now is probably different than when you were giving a month ago. Because one kid has decided they no longer like this, but they like that. Like, it just change a lot. My son has been pretty consistent with his main meal, sort of his sandwich, he's been on the peanut butter and jelly train for a while, although he couldn't have peanut butter in elementary school, so we had to do some variants there. But uh, my daughter, true to form, has been, I want mac and cheese today. Well, tomorrow I want soup. Well, then I want leftovers from dinner. Well, then I want this. And it's like it changes every single day practically with her. Jeez. So it's, That's a hell it's a very place you're running there. Wow. And then you got to have like 17 different kinds of fruit and a vegetable and a, a dessert and a snack. And it's just, it's a very, it's a very complicated thing. Oh, and it's it's so Sisyphean because, of course, you know, you can imagine how I am where, like, I see a pattern. I feel like I've seen the pattern twice, and I go, ooh, she likes this kind of cracker. And then I'm real smart, and I'll buy a bunch of that kind of cracker. Yeah, that no, cracker will it. not be thought of again for a very, very, very long time until they're rotten, and you throw out the crackers, and then a week or two later, you're going to, like, where are the crackers? Where are the crackers that I like? It's yeah. like it's like you're you're like the uh, night nurse coming on. You got to like go read all the charts and find out what the latest medications are. Like you've got to be up to date like today. And it's like, well, listen, if you want macaroni and cheese, like how about we talk about macaroni and cheese when it's not not the night before? Like I I don't. It isn't like a dove in my sleeve. I'm making it morning of. For mac and cheese made fresh in the morning. Oh, box cheese. I have to box wake up at cheese. like five thirty a.m. to get everything done in time. Oh God. 
And then, yeah, and they know how much stuff you prepare. Like, oh, the kids are eating peppers, you know, just like uh, you know, red and yellow and orange peppers, right? Great. So I will pre-cut a bunch of little baggies of peppers, so I'll have them all set for the week. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. After Monday, I don't like peppers. Don't put them on my lunch anymore. Yeah. Do you do the? Um, my wife is big on the uh, the postmortems. She likes to go through the lunchbox yeah, and inspect you see what, everything. What was eaten and what wasn't eaten. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing it, throwing out, throwing out a bunch of raspberries again, again, again. Yep. It's grim. Although, like, I don't understand why the kids don't, like, just take all the food and throw it in the garbage. They bring us back the leftovers so we can take, see exactly how much of the vegetables they didn't eat. Right, right. Again, this is a problem with your daughter. She, she needs to be better at these cover-ups. Yeah, she's a terrible at deception. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although, it could be a, 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 a loop where she realizes if I leave this, then that's my strongest card to say, stop putting this on my lunch because I won't eat it. Because we see, well, I put this in her lunch three days in a row, and three days in a row, it comes back. So, yeah. I guess we're not putting that in her lunch anymore. Yeah. You try and apply logic and it just doesn't work. It just feels like there should be mouth words that we could have about these things, but a combination of time and mouth words should get us to somewhere where we can reach an accommodation with each other where things, things don't have to be stressful. And yet we continuing, we continue to have the same, virtually the same things be stressful on a weekly and daily basis. And that, that makes me feel insane. It's all, it feels avoidable to me. And then I say to myself, I say, well, maybe it's just that sometimes there needs to be some drama. And I think that might be the case. I think sometimes <laughs> somebody just needs to cry. Somebody just needs to be mad. We are all that way. And I should just learn to accept that that's the way it is. Don't make it about me. Don't make it about the raspberries. Just understand that sometimes drama is a thing that we have to have. So why are you sending me this picture of your daughter pointing to a car? Oh, I just thought it was funny. It was, it's kind of an Alex joke, but she's making finger guns at a Tesla. Yeah, I get that Alex has a problematic boyfriend named Elon Musk. She's a, she, she lets us know on the show whenever she sees a Tesla in the wild. Does she? Yeah. Also, I just hadn't sent you a real recent picture. Did her she teeth put are just that falling hair out back now. Herself. Huh? Did she put that hair back herself? She can. She tends to prefer a braid now, uh, but she can and often does do her own ponytail. The brushing, she gets help with. Yeah, this has been a new thing for Kate as well. She's been putting her, trying she, to put her she own She brushes hair back. it and puts it into a, a pony herself? Well, I mean, to, obviously to she should brush. be capable. A first grader should be capable. She she has a brush in her hand sometimes. Uh, sometimes that brush touches her head in some vague way. She does indeed try to put her hair into a ponytail, but my point is I can tell when she has tried to make the ponytail versus when her it's, mother has It's done not it. as simple as it seems to do a ponytail. There's actually like three parts to a ponytail, and only one part of it is making a rubber band go around your hair. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's very complicated. Not that I'm allowed my wife to takes go it very personally. I think I think she takes it very personally. She does not want her daughter to go to school looking like a Dickens character. Yeah, that ship has sailed for us long ago. You just accepted the Dickens. She do, she won't she won't let anybody touch her head to do anything. Oh, you would not believe. It starts. I, my goal. Who cares what my goal is? I feel like she should be dressed and getting her hair brushed by seven, so that she can walk out the door at seven thirty. As we know, Apollo crashes all the time. It doesn't happen. But I I have the first cut at the hair brushing. She comes in. Uh, she looks at the 2015 MacBook Pro. She looks at five minute uh, crafts and life hacks videos while I do the first brushing through. I get all the big stuff out. I do the spray. You know, spray. I do the brushing, and then my wife comes in. She does the inspection. She uh, she does the final thing, and then she'll do the braids and stuff. 
Last time uh, I soloed dad, man, she was mad that I didn't know how to braid. She's like, why don't you just go on YouTube and learn how to braid my hair? <laughs> you are miles ahead of us because at least she's letting someone do something to her head on a daily basis. Our, our child goes weeks without an adult touching her head with any oh, implement. Oh, no, it's it got to sh- be a mess. If we, if we miss it for one day, it's a m- nightmare. Yep. She's <sighs> a giant frizzy nightmare. Oh, but you know, actually, uh, you know, this, they're, they're, our daughters are both at an age. They're, I don't know, roughly like six months to a year apart, something like that. But um, they're both at an age where you talk about a spectrum. I didn't realize she had a when she had a sleepover eh, not too long ago. Like over half the girls were like princesses out of a book. They're like, oh, it is time for me to of my own accord take my dishes to the sink, and now I will go brush my teeth, and I will put on my pajamas, and I will, and now I will brush my hair mm-hmm. for like ten minutes mm-hmm. without being asked. Thank you for that delicious dinner. They say. Thank you. Now I will go brush my hair. And they go, they, they brush their teeth like by themselves. And then Those they brush their hair. Those aren't real children. I don't know, man. There's a couple of them that are very, very well behaved. And it's very upsetting. Like our yeah. kid's pretty well behaved. I mean, she's not a monster. But like she's, it, it does not, it does, often does not occur to her to reach out to people to say like, thank you for the delicious meal. And may I help you with anything in the kitchen? That's like a Borg kid. We don't, it's very weird. All I'm saying is, like, on the hair thing, I think there's a big spectrum. And I think, yes, your daughter's not alone in being the kind of kid who's like, no way is anybody touching my hair. It's just pure pain. Don't touch my hair. Yeah, but she is actually trying to do something to it herself occasionally. So I think the peer pressure is getting to her. Certainly not pressure at home, because I never tell her anything about how her hair looks. I I don't care. I could care less. It's it's entirely a pragmatic concern, whereas, like, look, at a certain point, you do get knots. And then your mother comes and wants to comb your hair and it hurts. So it's in your best interest to not have knots. <laughs> I don't avoiding, care what your hair You're looks. avoiding the elephant in the room that I'm avoiding, which is, listen, honey, let's be honest. Nobody really wants to get their hair brushed. I don't really want to brush your hair. But let me just, in the most coded way possible, say it's going to be very good for everyone, including you, including me, and including mom's sanity. It's going to be better for everybody if we get in front of this before it becomes like an issue. Right, and we've had many issues where the hair becomes a giant knotty mess, and no one likes dealing with that. Like, no one wants to go now through everybody's the, mad. The, the dean. Right, it's, it's the worst. So it's like, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what you do with your hair. I don't care anything about that. But I'm telling you that if you keep going like this, the knots will form, and everyone will be sad eventually. <laughs> don't, I, I feel sometimes like, I'm like, do you not understand? Listen, you're a pretty smart kid. Like, do you not understand when I'm talking in this particular way? Do you not, do you not know what the code means? What I'm saying is, listen, mom's going to be home in about 20 minutes. And it's very, very important that it not look worse than when she left in this room. And I'm going to help you with that. But it's very, very important for everyone. And it's not like she's a monster, but like, I think it's completely understandable for a grown woman to walk into her own house and have it not be Fibber McGee's closet. But it's like, I, she just, she's not good at taking the, 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 the cue. And I'm like, you really yeah. need to get the crafts cleaned up. We've got to quit painting in the living room. this We've got to stop this. Well, at least, at least you have one person who really cares a lot. Like, neither one of us care that much about the knots, but eventually, it, like, it comes to a head. It's better when you have the person, oh, she's coming home today and she, your hair better not be a mess, right? But we're both just like, man, do whatever you want with your hair. But eventually, like oh, a week later, it's a medical issue. It's like, a medical issue, John. Yeah, there's birds nesting in there. And yes. It's just, it's chaos and she can't get the brush out of her hair because it's been eaten by the hair monster that is on top of her head. It's like, <laughs> now we need to do something about this. And now no one is happy yes. because we've all just let it go this long. And, and now it's like a family problem to solve. Oh, geez. And yeah. 
So she is doing a little bit on her own these days. Uh, she, is she doing a good job? No. Is no, she? No. Does she have any idea that her entire head is covered with hair and not just the one section she can reach on the lower right? No. But it's progress. <laughs> also, some people in our house care more than others that there be a discernible part. This is a great point of contention amongst two-thirds of our household, where there is a person in our house who believes very heavily it's very important that there be a part that is a visible part and the other person who's getting the part unequivocally believes that this is a literal war crime to cause a part to happen in a child's hair. And I try to say, you know, this doesn't have to be this bad. We could all, we could all get along. Let's just agree that a little part is okay. It's where the hair wants to be parted. Sometimes it just wants to go Mm. that way. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so, you know, uh, my son is 14. How much longer are you on your own? Oh, uh, until Friday, I think. So I'm nice. here coming. My my son is 14, and he does now unprompted every single time he gets out of the shower, run a comb through all of the hair that is on his head, which took a long time because for a long time he was running a comb through 90 percent of the hair on his head. His hair looks and it, challenging. And eventually, I told him, "There's a part of your head that you never brush, and I know because I watch you brush it because you <laughs> like come into back, my bedroom. The back middle. <laughs> yep, you come into my bedroom to do it. Do your kids do this?" My kids love to come into my bedroom. You know why they like to come into my bedroom? Because yeah. my bed is not covered with crap. Because my oh, bed is yeah. made and because my floor is not covered with crap. Unlike their rooms where there's no room to do anything because their crap is everywhere. So their rooms are a mess. And they like to come into my room. They come into my room to brush their teeth. They come into my room to brush their hair. Mm-hmm. They come in just to sit in my chair and stare at their iPad. <laughs> because they love my room because it's the room that's clean. Yeah, that's the natural. I don't. I don't think she's aware that she does it. But it's totally like the natural spread of like entropy or chaos is like, Ooh, here's an area that has not been disturbed. I should uh-huh. go there. Think of how much stuff I could spread out on this bed. Look at all this room. She There's really nothing acts on this like, bed. She really kind of acts like she doesn't have a room. She, yeah. Well, it's, it it's really is like every, full up. Yes, exactly. That room's got so much stuff in it. It's already, it's got all heard, yeah, use that room up. I need another one. <laughs> I need a fresh room. Should I get a fresh room down here? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Garcon. Uh, let's see. We probably got time for, oh, these are not good topics. We can't do more do by Friday. We could do your, no, the second I, I want to do the germ one. Okay. All right. Um, it's not, it's not directly related to do by Friday. Okay. Cause I honestly do not know what this is and I am super interested. John, what is your main topic for this episode? This is about uh germophobia, uh, which is a Merlin adjacent topic because many podcasts that you have done in the past and continue to do in the present uh, address the issue of uh, little tiny invisible bugs uh, on things in the world uh-huh. that you don't want to get inside your body because they will do bad things there. Yes, we'll have an opportunity to to address that persona. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's not it's not you're not like the, the raving germaphobe. It's just it's a topic that comes. up. Yes. Well, it's partly it's so the thing is, I happen to do podcasts <clears throat> with at least two different co-hosts on different shows who I think are legit kind of obsessed about it. Mm-hmm. And I like to egg that on. I like to get involved. My interest. Mine is less about a specific fear of germs and more about just general revulsion to the expression of bad social culture. There's something about bad social culture that really troubles me, and it might as well be germs. But, like, the bottom line is, no, I do not use hand dryers in bathrooms. It's not just because, like, I don't want to catch a cold, although that's part of it. It really is, like, I do not want to think about the air that is passing through there because people are monsters. 
So you know what? You're probably right. Okay. I do. I guess I am technically a little, I'm not germ phobic, but I just think people are disgusting. Yeah, you you have you have some concerns depending on the situation. And, I'm more of a, and, I'm, I think I'm less of a germaphobe. I'm more of a misanthrope. Uh, I mean, you've also had the hotel room thing with the hotel remote and all the things in the you hotel room. You ever think about that? You ever really think about how many people have held that thing? Yeah, no, I I understand. Um, and 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 specifically the 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 one recent podcast was on uh, Dubai Friday. You did a challenge where you get petri dishes and you yeah. tried to like take samples and grow bacteria, which is a fun little science thing that you can do from different surfaces and. As is typical of a Dubai Friday thing, uh, there was, you know, no, hug- no hugging and no learning. No one actually gained any useful, actionable information. Or I will stipulate for the purposes of this episode, let's stipul- stipulate for the sake of this episode, that I'm somebody who would just as soon avoid other people's germs. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like your co-hosts, your co-hosts on many of your shows, including Dubai Friday, also seem to have, uh, to varying degrees, uh, this idea. Like, the whole reason you're taking samples and growing them in Petri dishes is to see how, you know, how germy are the things that I? How germy is my phone? How germy I could, is my I could, hypothe- I could hypothetically, <clears throat> for example, I could hypothetically have a hypothetical co-host who has an assistant uh, that that uh, puts hand sanitizer on his hands for him. Sure, sure, that can happen. Yeah, hypothetically. Yeah, or, or de- dealing with public restrooms and all sorts of things. And um, I'm I'm probably like average in ter- in this area in terms of like how concerned are you about gross germy things like. Not you know some people who just like have no fear of germs because they can't see them and they're mm-hmm. just like whatever I'll I'll you know I'll lick my keyboard I'll put my mouth around the the hand dryer like they don't care they whatever right or they're at the very least like who, unimaginative like if it's dirty they might clean it but they're unimaginative about what they might not be seeing right and on the other end are people who are just like using you know bleach on every surface in their house every time anything touches any you know piece of raw meat or whatever just you know constantly vigilant right. Um, and I, I think I'm averaging that, like, yeah, I'll wash my hands to try to avoid a little bit more to avoid getting sick in the winter, right? And, you know, I do, I hope, are mostly the right things in the kitchen to avoid foodborne illnesses, right? Cross-contamination, yeah. Right. But, but in general, when I listen to all these things about, like, uh, let's see how many germs are on this thing and how often do you use hand sanitizer in this situation or whatever, especially for people who are not, like, super big germaphobes who just have, a, like, more concern than I have. It always feels to me that the the threat model is, is the difference, not, not the level of concern. Like Hmm. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about germs and I'm less worried about germs. Yeah. The threat model is wrong. Right. And the threat model that I hear is never discussed is like in, in all like these Petri dish challenges and all the, you know, D and D bathroom adventures and stuff. The premise is not, you know, that's there before we begin. The thing is basically that, there's stuff out there in the world, these, you know, germs or whatever you're going to call them, microorganisms, microscopic things, right? And you win the game by not letting those get inside of you. Like, that's the game, right? That's why you're using hand sanitizer. That's why you're washing your hand. That's why you're trying not to touch things that are dirty. That's why you're being aware of something that might have lots of germs on it. So you know that wash well, your hands before it even you further, touch- I, I am clean and the world is dirty. Yeah, or, or even it's not like, even like I, I, dirty. I'm being it's just contaminated that, by these external, these foreign yeah, entities. Yeah, because the things that because the things that are that are in you are you, and the things that are outside you are not you, and that's how we get sick. It's, you know, sort of the, just the, the germ theory of of illness and all that other stuff, right? And I feel like that threat model is incomplete uh, because, and you know, it, it's difficult because as as uh, 
Dr. Don, your guest on uh, many podcasts, including this most recent one, who talks about uh, uh, food safety and stuff, has pointed out many times that there are lots of things out there in the world that are microorganisms that are not harmful to you at all. Some of them are even beneficial, right? Uh, and other ones are really, really harmful. And they're all microorganisms, and you can't really distinguish between them, right? You know, you don't know if there is Ebola on that thing or, you know, just some sort of harmless uh, bacteria that will, you know, help give you healthy poops, right? Uh, you can't see them. You don't know which is which. But the part, the part of the threat model that I think is off is that in the model where you are trying to prevent those things from getting inside you, uh, it doesn't take into account how our bodies keep us alive in a world where there's, you know, other microorganisms everywhere. It's like, if the goal was to, like, don't let that crap inside me, and you were to win that game by having a magical, like, you know, nanoscale barrier that prevents any germs from ever entering your body, mm -hmm. um, you would die the first time one little germ hits you. Like, I was exaggerating. Oh, but like, this is one the, of those sort of, like, let your kids play in the dirt because it makes, their, makes them stronger. Right. Like, the way our immune right. system works is it needs to learn how to defeat different kinds of things. That doesn't mean, oh, that's great. Give me a little bit of that E. coli. My body will learn to defeat it. Like, it doesn't work all the time with all the different things. But but in general, if you keep things too antiseptic and don't allow anything, if you if you are the, the person in the bubble and never allow anything to get into your system, your immune system will be crap. That's why, you know, if you go somewhere where there's different germs that you haven't been exposed to, you are more likely to get ill. Yeah, hey, you get them in, in Native Americans and blankets type situation. Right, right. And again, this is not universal because it's not as if you, if you, if all oh, those Native American kids had seen smallpox when they were babies, they would have been fine. No, that's not, that's not usually how it works, right? <laughs> it, it's not a universal thing, but the system that we are does have some aspect of it that benefits from exposure to threats. We, not that it builds up your immunity. It may also kill you, right? But oh, so interesting. I just okay. feel, like, feel like the threat model is incomplete in that total, uh, you know, non-exposure is also not what you want. What you want is to be exposed to the things that you need to be exposed to to build a strong immune system, but not be exposed to the things that will make you terribly sick and kill you and that there's no benefit to exposure. So is an example of this the, like, overuse of hand sanitizer, you think? Uh, and there's the third aspect of it, which is breeding super bacteria by, you know, killing them on every surface and having Or being like me, and until I was probably 30, I never finished a course of antibiotics. I would always take them until I felt better and then just stop, which I'm given to believe was not a good idea. Yeah, and just having the antibiotics everywhere in our in our food supply chain and in all the things. Just breeding super bacteria is, is a is, is a third thing that I want to put aside. But in general, the threat model of uh, if I was a perfect goalie, I would be perfectly healthy is not correct. That you don't actually want to be a perfect goalie and never let anything in. You you want some amount of baseline exposure from birth to build a healthy immune system. That's it. again with the kids eating dirt and stuff like that. The tricky part is. What things should I be exposed to versus what I, shouldn't I? And how can I do that? But I feel like the, you know, they're the best you know, species, speaking as a species and not as an individual, the <laughs> best thing to happen is to just let everything roll and let the ones die who are exposed to the bad germs and let the ones who live, you know, like survival <laughs> wow. of the fittest. Tough right? love. Yeah, the survival of the fittest. Like that that makes, you know, but we're not up for that. We don't we speak we think about the individual. So it's like I don't I don't care about the uh, the the herd health of the species. I want to stay alive. So what should I do, right? And I still think for on the individual basis, it's probably a good idea 
to be exposed to some amount of things that we would consider dirty or germy over the course of your life. Uh, and so I don't play the game very hard to, you know, prevent myself from getting all germs and sanitizing all my services and wiping my phone down with alcohol every five minutes. Like I don't, I don't do that. Right. And I, you know, on the flip side, but I do understand that again, wash your hands more often in the winter exposure to everything isn't good, but I feel like that, the real threat, and that's what, I mean, maybe Dr. Don is not going to chime in too much about this. Uh, maybe you can ask him about it next time he's on. But if you got like a biologist or something who's more into like, how does the human machine work? How does, how does the biology of the human immune system work? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they would agree with me that, that the threat model is not keep out all the bad stuff and you'll be great. It's much more complicated than that. And it does involve having to let some quote unquote bad things through at various stages in your life to make sure that you build up, you know, same thing with like bacteria in your gut, right? Mm-hmm. That's the same reason antibiotics are bad. You kill off yeah, all the I take beneficial a, bacteria. I take a probiotic every day for right. that reason. That's, that's to, to make the good stuff grow. And that good stuff is all over the things that are growing in your Petri dishes. That good bacteria could be all over your phone. It well, could yeah, be on your keyboard. I, I, you know? I don't want to interrupt your thesis, but like, it's not, I, I'm not saying Hmm. Where did I hear this? I've heard this on No Such Thing as a Fish. I've heard it in various places. There's some recent uh, like little articles about what would happen if all the bacteria disappeared. Like, so basically we wouldn't notice anything for a few days eventually, but except maybe that we don't, our sweat doesn't stink and our poop doesn't smell, but pretty soon it would be really hard to poop because you need those bacteria. And eventually there would be horrible, horrible consequences. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't, one way I'm not Howard Hughes is that like, it's not that I'm trying to avoid all of those things. I just don't, in a room where poop is being sprayed through the air, like I want to minimize my contact to the poop. And and so is part of your thesis that, that is that making me weaker as a human that I'm not ingesting and rubbing more poop on my hands? Well, the thing about poop is that is a rich source of the kind of stuff that you don't want to be exposed to. That 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 a small exposure to it, a little cholera has never hurt anybody. No, mm. not you don't really. You really don't want any of that. Yeah, uh, or, or terrible viruses and stuff like that. Which is why we we have a lot of you know the stigma. It, it associated. helps. It helps that poop is gross. But even if and pardon me for the people who don't like poop talk, it it, uh, it helps that poop is gross because it does have stuff in it that is actually bad for you. Right, but it it also has things in to the point that are actually very good for you. I believe the source of the single largest cause of death in the world, I believe, is still diarrhea, which is caused by uh, water being contaminated in uh, all over the world. Right, but but as you pointed out, uh, most poop is bacteria, and one of the modern treatments for people who have unhealthy digestive systems is to get a capsule of a healthy person's poop and swallow it. You sure you don't go the other route? Yeah, I'm sure. Hang on. You're telling me you do the poop implant. You do the, the, the what's it called a splint? No, what do you call it? A like when you put a little. Uh, they, they make actual capsules. Swallow yes, a little. Yes, but you capsules. sure it doesn't go in the back entrance? Yeah, I don't. I don't think you touch shove capsules up your butt. I think these are for. Sure, you for can. You get a suppository. Right, but suppositories don't look like the little you know two sided little uh, you know, clear capsule things that go. Okay, together, I'm going to you know? search for what I'm going to call poop replacement therapy. Okay. Anyway, Go ahead. the point is that's that Threat is model. intentionally taking some of that poop in, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the stigma makes sense, like the why why we have a revulsion and why it is probably a good idea to avoid it. Like as you pointed out, it's, it's there is both you know real and superstition based reasons to stay the heck away from poop. Yes, and so that's why you have the fear of poop uh, flying through the air. But the the uh, the procedures you m- one might undertake. Oh, I won't use the hand dryer. If the poop is there uh-huh. and floating through the air, and yes, the hairdryer warms it up and chucks it back out, mm-hmm. and like there's no avoiding it. Like mm-hmm. not using the hand dryer and using paper towels as well, 
like has, you know when you go in there and you smell something poopy yeah. it's in you it's got it's got already got up your nose it's too late like, it's too late the call's coming from inside right. the, okay. the, poop, the call's coming from inside your nose okay all right okay all right. i see um, so, so you just so avoid like, bathrooms so, threat so, model yeah well so like obviously don't you know wallow in poop because we know it's bad okay i want to write that down don't wallow in poop okay right but but like in regular situations where there's a normal amount of poop flying through the air there's a normal <laughs> amount, of, amount poop on of, your, of air poop yeah yeah nor, uh, uh, you know normal amount of poop on your on your hotel remote mm. right <laughs> like, volt. Uh, we we all live in that world yes and somehow we survive we survive because lots of things on our fingertips kill those germs because that's how our skin works and it's good right I really and don't because where most you're going of the time most of the time, it's the it's the it's the good bacteria, and not yeah. the bad ones. And most of the time, there's not a lot of virus there, and you know, or maybe we have an immunity to that one because you know, like it's just people get along. Like all those people who don't care anything about germs, I don't think they get any sicker than the people who care a lot about them. But the people who care a lot about them spend a lot of their mental uh, energy and a lot of their actual time, and you know, worrying about these things that the people who don't worry about germs don't worry about. And I would imagine that their health is a about the same because the people who are who have the wrong threat model and are trying to avoid as many germs actually aren't because you can't right and because they're invisible so no matter what they think they're doing they're not actually doing it uh-huh. uh, and both people are exposed to the same amount of stuff and you know you survive it's in some ways it's, it's a it's a lottery it's a little bit of a roulette wheel you get unlucky uh you get a bad clam at a restaurant like <laughs> you know everything there's nothing, nothing you can do about that right yeah, yeah. um but but in general I, the, one of the things that helps me not freak out about it is the idea that the way our system works, the way we work is it requires exposure to harmful things. It All requires right. it. It's not an optional. It's not like it's going to make you stronger or weaker. Like if you, uh, to your point, if you got rid of the bacteria, if you got rid of the threats, our bodies don't function anymore. Okay. Like we need, we need, we, uh, they, they evolved in an adversarial environment and they need those adversaries. So in the analogy that you're taking this from, kind of the threat model idea of like network security. So you're saying you can't really test your system security without hackers, or are you saying you should hire hackers? Uh, com- what, computers what? are a bad thing because computers are designed at this point and don't, uh, don't evolve. And so everything that we've designed has not been designed. And then like, what about our obsession is different than what you, what you do as part of your healthy uh, lifestyle? Uh, I mean, it's mostly just spending time thinking about it. Like I've mm-hmm. sp- I, I I've spent about zero amount of time figuring, thinking about the germiness of the various things in a public restroom. I find I don't that very spend hard. A lot of I find time that licking, very very hard to believe. I don't spend a lot of time licking the faucets. Mm. I get in, I get in and get out. You're right? obsessed I'm not, with like, sweat. You're obsessed with stickiness. I'm obsessed with sweat. I'm, how am I you're obsessed. obsessed with you're constantly talking about it with sweaty hands when you're touching this and the kids are like, me, 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 all sweaty and you can't get Swe- your touch ID to work because you're sweaty and uh, sweating uh, hair. And I don't know, man. It makes touch ID not work. Yeah, that's a problem, but it's not yeah. like, it's not, right. a, it's not a germ thing. Anyway, um, so I, I'm not, I, I'm not spending a lot of time there. Yeah. But just, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not touching things with my elbow. I'm not trying to do that thing where you like use your wrist to use the fo- I'm not doing any of that. I just <laughs> use everything the way you're supposed to use it. Use with every, the, the, like the Native Americans, you use every part of the bathroom. Well, you know, I just, gra- I just grab the, the handle on the faucet. What, what drives me nuts in, in, in public restrooms is that I'm apparently invisible to IR sensors. Oh, it's the so worst. I'm, I'm constantly like physically touching the IR sensor and smacking it going, hello, I'm here. There's no other way for me to turn on the water. And then it'll like spurt on for a second. Like, wait, no, no, it didn't see me again. So that's all, I feel like that's all a germ thing. Like, hey, know, if we don't have people taking I'm, like, their- I'm like Peter Pan unable to cast a shadow. Like I can never make the soap squirter work. 
other people walk by and they use it just fine. I, and I'm like, am I holding my hand in the wrong place? Like, what am I doing wrong? At work, we have uh, three varieties of things. One, we have the older faucets, which are has a hot and cold next to the central faucet. But instead of being knobs, they are push down plungers. Have you seen these? Say it again. You, uh, like you've got a you got a faucet, and and to the right of it you got cold, and left of it you got hot, right? Uh huh. But they're not knobs that you turn. They are both things that you press down. So if you press down on the cold, and you have to press pretty hard. What happens is the cold water comes on, mm-hmm. and that little thing that you press down slowly comes back up. And when it reaches the top, it stops and the water turns off. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, That's it's my kids, my kids, like, uh, hey, the, dummies, don't leave the water on because yeah, you'll flood Yeah, the stinky restrooms at my kids' school have those. Yeah, right? Boy, That's do they one smell variety. like pee. Woo! Yeah. The second variety is uh, the IR sensors one. So there's just, there's just a, a, a faucet, but there's no other controls. It's just a faucet with, like, one little section of it. It's a little black IR window, and you somehow wave some part of your hand in there and in theory the water comes on and the final one is like a kitchen faucet with like the single lever that you push back and yes. then you can push left or right and that one has no automated things whatsoever right and by far i prefer the one with the handle mm-hmm. because the pressing pressing down ones they like some of them stand for like three and a half seconds some of them stand for two seconds you're constantly pressing that stupid handle and you're constantly re-interacting with them like i want to minimize the number of times i have to touch the the, the filth faucet Say, I don't care about the minimizing. I care about how annoying it is to press, scrub, scrub, press, yeah. scrub, scrub, press. That's that's what I'm annoyed about. The IR one doesn't see me, so that's bad. It's constantly yeah. like spurting water and then not spurting, and that's that's incredibly frustrating. Uh, and the handle one, guess what? You turn on the water, put it. You can get to pick your own temperature, mm-hmm. and it stays on until you put the handle off. Hmm. And that's that's the one I prefer. And I I don't gingerly grab that handle. I don't use paddles made out of paper towels when I grab the handle. <laughs> I just grab the handle and use it. I don't lick it. I don't shove it up my nose. I'm not rubbing my bare eyeball on it, but I just use it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, threat model. Threat model. Pho- <laughs> the threat model of germs. Our, bo- our bodies need these tiny adversaries, uh, just not the really bad ones because they'll kill us. I so think I got weird when our kid was born and it really was banged into our head that like... The, the one thing, one of the many things you'd hear over and over was don't let anybody uh, hold the baby to come over to visit. Don't let them hold the baby until they've washed their hands and sanitized. And I think I kind of got that in my bones. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, on the one hand, I know why doctors tell people that. But on the other hand, you don't want to tell the wrong person at the wrong time that. Hmm. Because that that is a seed. It's kind of it's kind of like the bucket of ice water. That baby is a hell of a bucket of ice water for everything having to do in your life. So <laughs> at a certain point, you are extremely susceptible. You like there is nothing you care about more than keeping this baby alive in a way that you've never cared about anything in your entire life. Mm-hmm. And then people are going to give you advice, and that will really that'll really run some divots in your mind, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Deep deep furrows. So someone said that to you at that particular time, and I can imagine taking it to heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get the other people, you get the pediatricians like, uh, like the, the kids got to eat dirty pediatricians. Yes. There's that other stream, which is like, don't use antibacterial soap. Let your kid just put his mouth right in the dirt. That's what they say. That's what they say. That makes them strong they need, like bull. They need that, right? Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Uh, there's, there's a lot of increasingly crackpot theories about uh, peanut allergies and all that business. You know? Wait, the, you're saying it's a uh, jam up, not a real thing? No, no, so uh, they're like so. Think back to when we were kids, and yeah. I, how many people were in your elementary school class who would have died if they ate a peanut? I knew exactly one person with a food allergy when I was a kid, and it was widely believed it was merely a preference. 
And would they actually have been killed? Like like anaphylactic shock? In kindergarten, Julie Schlesinger uh, uh, didn't like, uh, what was it? It was a banana. She had to have an apple instead of a banana. And she would sit there and cry because she had to wait till the end. Poor Julia Schlesinger. No, I, I, but I don't want to seem insensitive to this because I know it's, it's a thing. But yeah, I was not aware of any of that at the time. I think it was underdiagnosed, misdiagnosed. I don't know. Right, well, so, here, so here's the possibilities. Uh, one, uh, all those people died from peanuts. So they weren't in your elementary school because anybody, baby who was born, who was allergic to peanuts to the degree that people allergic to peanuts, they died because yes. we didn't diagnose it. And they got hit with a peanut and their, their throat swelled up and they asphyxiated and they died. So you never saw the million in your elementary school. Two, people were that allergic to peanuts, but it was never diagnosed. And those people just somehow knew to avoid peanuts or peanuts made them feel bad. But everyone else got to eat peanuts. And three, more people have deadly peanut allergies today than they did back then. Yeah, seems, seems independent, logical. Independent of diagnosis. Now, some of them I mean, are easy. I, I wonder like, if it's like spectrum stuff where there's this part of yeah, me that thinks like, like we didn't have a diagnosis or a name. And like there's it's probably a mix of all of them. Right. Well, I think so. The, the, the autism spectrum thing, that one's clearly a uh, diagnosing thing because that is a lot more, I'm not going to say touchy feely, but you don't instantly die. If you're on the autism spectrum, right? But oh, if right. you have a deadly peanut allergy, there's no really fudging about that. Like, well, it, yeah, you if, know, you've, if you've got an allergy like John and Amy's son, like you're going to know fast. Right. And it's not like, oh, I don't know, it's not diagnosed. Death is easy to diagnose. And maybe you can't figure out the reason, but like, it's not, it's not the type of thing where you just think, oh, he's just a little eccentric. No, no. It's <laughs> not, him you out know, of it. He's just, <laughs> slap, he's just slap, a little slap, bit. Slap, slap, slap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, uh, in my uh, personal experiences, I think there's more and more severe food allergies today than there were when we were kids. That's just what it seems like to me. Be- oh, just because you, I can't you're imagine- about to get yourself in all kinds of trouble, aren't you? You're about to know, pull maybe. these together. You're going to pull these together, aren't you? Well, uh, huh? that's what I say. I, I've heard people try to pull these together to say, okay, if we accept the premise that yes, there is Choose misdiagnosis, wisely. and yet there, and yes, there are people who are who died or whatever. But even accounting for all those other factors, yeah. Overall, net net, we still think that uh, there are more and more severe food allergies amongst kids than there used to be. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking for a reason why, and a they lot of the crackpot reason reason why is you didn't eat enough dirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that, that everybody's too clean. This is the John's, this is John's so, theory. I'm here to be supportive of him. This is John's theory. You can email John. This is not my theory. This is a crackpot theory. And oh, I'm, I'm here okay. To, and, and I'm here to tell you why I think this crackpot theory has some problems. Right? I'm is interested. That, this, is, right. this is why it's a crackpot theory. It's like, well, common sense says you need to eat dirt. And parents today, <laughs> they have the antibacterial soap and they protect their babies so much and they don't let them eat the dirt. And therefore, they all get food allergies. And they, if they just let those kids eat more dirt, they wouldn't have this problem, right? Just a bunch of peanut snowflakes. Right. But here's the thing about that, that theory. This ties into the, the germaphobe uh, threat model of like keeping the germs out. There is no amount of extra parenting and care that parents have today that could possibly prevent babies and toddlers from filling their cells with disgusting germs. And it, it surprises me that people think that, like, you know, these, these parents today, they keep their babies too clean. As if, that's a, as if that's a thing that you can do. Like, unless you literally have your baby hermetically sealed inside, yeah, like, a, but there a is a corollary, there's a corollary, which is your kids, your kids eating lead paint chips, and like, you don't want to be that, right? Well, so the lead is a thing that we can measure, and we but can you know, get but that you're, out you're, of the you're, environment. You're being, but you you're being all Mr. Spock about this. What I'm saying is, like, there are a bunch of people that are like, no way do I want that to be the way things go for my kid. I will have a 
basket of abundances of caution about so many things because I don't want any of that stuff to come up. And so that's where I think where that comes from. Right. But I, I think that the, that the people with that crackpot theory vastly overestimate humans' abilities to keep babies from eating dirt. Like it just you can't it can't be done. Uh, they're going to shove their mouths on the most disgusting things. They're going to mm. put everything in their mouth. The germs will get in, and there's no amount of antibacterial soap or careful parenting you get. Now, antibacterial soap, one thing you can do is breed super bacteria with it, and uh, you know, cause all sorts of larger systemic problems. But specifically about preventing uh, those, you know, bad little bugs from getting into your baby. Yeah, it's going to happen. Do we know anyone who is so good at keeping their baby clean that their kid doesn't get sick and have a runny nose for like three and a half years straight? Where are those parents? They don't exist. It is impossible to do that. So uh, to me, that mostly kills the theory that overcaution and cleanliness is the cause of, of increased foodborne allergies, even if you, if you accept the idea that there's more foodborne allergies. And I, and I mostly do accept that there's more allergies, but I have no idea what the heck the cause could possibly be. The autism one is easier. I feel like it's just entirely uh, uh, bore diagnosis um, mm. and not, not, in, not increased innocence. Because if I think back to my childhood, there were tons of kids who were probably on the spectrum not diagnosed, right? Mm-hmm. I have no problem picturing these kids in my head and going, "Oh, if we lived in in the modern age, those kids." The, the, the shape sort of for that was was very very strange. I think it was highly localized. I think it depended a lot on the environment and the doctor. But like my best friend when I was a kid, he totally had Asperger's. I can look at it now and just go. At the time, he was diagnosed as being quote unquote uncoordinated. So they did like what they would today call occupational therapy, like have him work on a little wheelie board, and they thought he was just clumsy. But like he he was definitely. He was on there somewhere, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I probably would have been diagnosed as a kid. Like, it, it's just just uh, wasn't a thing that happened back then. So it's not like there's a sudden explosion of. But but again, with the peanut allergies and the food allergies, I I did have one friend in yeah. school who was allergic to tons of things. He got like allergy shots for his whole life. That remember? Did you have a lot of kids who had allergy shots when you were growing up? Some. I mean, the allergies were different back then. There were simpler times. We had there was grass allergies. Uh, so there was grass allergy. I'm trying to think if there were, I don't remember anybody that I knew having a food allergy that I knew about. I'm not saying it didn't exist, but I mean, I, I, there was more like the hay fever, grass allergy mm-hmm. kind of thing, or people who were like, uh, like, uh, I had a girlfriend who couldn't eat, couldn't drink chocolate milk, like from a carton. She was allergic to that. And I knew a lot of kids that were allergic to penicillin, but that's, that's the only ones I was aware of. Yeah, I had one I friend who was allergic to, like, everything, and he couldn't have, like, he couldn't have anything leavened, so he couldn't have bread. He always had crackers. He couldn't have most meats. He always had, I remember he had tongue sandwiches because yeah. he couldn't have, like, other kinds of meat. Yeah. And he got allergy shots forever, and he also had, like, hay fever and all these other things. And, you know, the whole thing with allergy shots is, like, I, I, I assume they still do that. I remember doing them to my dog. Like, oh, your dog's allergic to X, Y, and Z. Give him these shots. I guess they work. Uh, cause eventually, or maybe the, the, the kid just grew out of it, My but he was like, dog had a lot of allergies and it was mainly just pills in the food, I think. Yeah. Uh, but, but anyway, <sighs> like, uh, if, if this kid was allergic to something to the degree that he would die, I would be surprised to learn that because nothing about the environment of our school was tailored to his needs. Right. Like everyone else was allowed to have whatever the hell they wanted. His lunch was special, but he was sitting at the same table where we're all laughing and spraying our peanut butter spittle all over his face right and if he was deadly allergic to peanuts he would have been dead a hundred times over whereas our elementary schools for both our kids peanut butter was not allowed in the building no 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 
Well, you know, help me out. Give me, give me a functional component. What should I change about my threat model? What would you do differently if you were, if you were me? I mean, should I, should I, I worry think, less? Uh, should I wash less? I, I don't should think I eat more poop? you need to do much of anything less because I think what you actually do in your daily life related to this is probably not as extreme. I think it's fairly healthy. I wash my hands a few times a day. I try yeah, to take like a shower. I, said, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you are. I, I use shoe are, trees. I use shoe trees. Do you think that's making me weak? Uh, it's a little bit weird, but it's not, you know. They're cedar. Does that make any difference? <laughs> I don't think so. No, but I, I don't think your I don't think your actual habits in life are outside uh, the norm. Although not, not, you were not able this, to very not in easily, this arena, not in this arena. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I feel like you were <laughs> able to identify with the, with the impulse mm-hmm. and therefore easily uh, easily converse with those uh, more severely afflicted. But yeah, I, would, but I, I speak. Say I, that if you I speak affliction. Down, yeah. If you want to bring them down from the ledge, t- start talking about the threat model. What, what would you? What do you think Max should be doing differently? What would you do if you're you're advising him? You're his allergist. What would you have? What would you have Max do differently? Uh, I'm I'm gonna say like he thinks a lot about a le- bathrooms. Less John. less worry about uh, less hand sanitizer. I'm gonna say like hmm. hand sanitizer has its place in our life, but it's not as a not as an everyday carry as you would say. Not as a thing that you need to have with you oh, wherever it's not part you of the everyday go. Carry. I, I used it. Uh, I was watching uh, Pitch Perfect One on my computer, getting ready to talk to you, and I, I cleaned my mouse and my desktop with uh, isopropyl alcohol. Not because of germs, but just because uh, you know, you know, the little gunk, like the little mouse. What, what do we used to call it back in the day? You have to clean out of your mouse, mouse spoo. I know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't know, know if there was a, a name, name for it. it. You used to have to peel it off. You remember that? You had to peel it yep. off your... Uh, I, I was a pro at that. Were you good at that? I bet you'd be good at cleaning that's a, balls. That's a, one of those skills that is no longer useful. I can, right. I can like brag being able about to that judge skills. Gibson guitars. You, you know how many mouse rollers I've cleaned in my day? It's a skill all that no one needs all anymore. All of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about Alex? You want Alex to do anything differently? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a, there's a tech tree, to use video game parlance, of... Uh, of, uh, of uh, Things that Alex uh, has concerns about that this is not, this is pretty far down. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going to, I, I, my, my general advice is if you, if you see somebody who seems like they're getting a little bit worked up over germ related stuff. Yeah. Just, to, I feel like just discussing the threat model could make them feel better about because That's, that's all it comes down to. Because again, I, I, I'm, yeah. I don't think that we have as much influence over the microorganisms that get into us as we think we do, uh, aside from big macro stuff like, hey, you cut meat in that cutting board? Don't cut vegetables on it without doing something to it first, like perhaps washing it, like mm-hmm. big stuff like that. But the tiny stuff about getting just the right kind of hand sanitizer and like touching certain parts of the faucet and stuff like that, anyone who starts getting worked up about that, talk about the threat model. Because talk about I think the most people model. know intellectually keeping everything out is also bad. And if they can, it's kind of like dieting, where if you start to, if it starts to make you feel ill to like eat the unhealthy food, right? Mm-hmm. If it starts to just have, you have the opposite reaction, no longer enjoy this. It just makes you, it just makes you sick to think about just eating, you know, an entire package of cookies, right? Yes. Whereas before it used to be your favorite thing in the world. Yeah. That's so you can turn it around. If you start feeling good about doing something that you know will expose you to germs, mm-hmm. like if you can convince yourself these are probably the okay germs and I should expose myself to some of them because to have a healthy immune system, that's something I need to do. That can make you feel better about not, you know, completely sanitizing something before you touch it or whatever. Do you have, um, would you consider yourself a compulsive person? I don't know what that means. What do you mean by that? Well, I think about things like, uh, I don't think I have, (sighs) 
trying to avoid the letters that will yield me letters. Uh, I, f- I fuss and fret. What, how did you describe yourself in our last episode? Uh, you're pan fretful. Uh, I will be fretful about along the lines of the did I turn off the range type stuff. It's like how I've got my travel checklist of all the stuff I've got to remember mm, to do. Yep, you're not really yep. like that. You, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're more fretful. You're pan fretful is what you say. Yeah, but, but it's you, there's so many things you can fret about. It's uh, like, I think what you're describing and the reason you bring it up in the, in the, the context of OCD, which is the letters you don't want to say is yes. that one of the, one of the symptoms of that affliction stereotypically is specific concerns about mundane household things that you feel compelled to check and double check and triple check to be sure. And the, and the, and that the thing that gets missed to a lot of people is that the checking does not actually make the person happy. It does not make it right, go that's away. Why you it, need to check again. If the first check was sufficient, you wouldn't need to the second check or the third check. And sometimes right. the exact counts of the check is the key part of it. And it just is entirely disconnected from reality. But it sounds to me, you're, you're more like, same subject matter, mm-hmm. but if you could check that the stove was off, it would allay your fears immediately. It's just that sometimes you weren't wonder whether you left it on. But if you could check whether it was on or not, you'd be good. You wouldn't need to check the second and third and fourth times. You're just actually literally worried that you might have left the stove on. I got, I got a list. I got my a, list. And I, I, history I, has shown that it's the thing that you've My actually, list is good. I push back on you because my list is good and I know whether or not I actually did it. And I trust yeah. myself. Because I have yeah, the list. The list. The list is the trust. Whereas I'm, I'm not even ever making that list, mm-hmm. and not even worrying <laughs> about those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you tick it off. You tick it off, and you only tick it off. You tick it off the second after you do it. Throw out old leftovers. Pile it light on. Water heat down. Water yeah. heater down. Heat down. Air cleaner off. Door beep tones on. Close hallway doors. Unplug nightlight. Drop off neighbor note. Check all tickets in hotel. Lock windows and finally find cat. Because the very last thing is you have to say, I have found the cat. I have found the cat. The cat is not inside of anything. The things that it can get inside of are all closed. Because otherwise you're going to worry that the cat's in a closet. In a silver spoon. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've seen no, the I, cat. I see I, you say the cat. I see you. I, I, don't even, I don't even make that list. So you're obviously mm. worried about different things than I am. Am but I? It's just, but, I, but yeah, but it's just different. Like yeah. I'm, I have my own list of things that I worry about that are, that are probably even more ridiculous. Yeah. Um, will you ever get a, a Mac Pro that you like? No, I mean, I, like everyone has their own like sort of irrational hangups where the, the the threat of the thing happening is much smaller than it is in your mind. Like uh, air travel, obviously, is is my one of my big ones. Like the the irrational fear of flying, you know, statistically very safe, but uh, because it's so dramatic when people die, it, it looms large in my mind. Uh, car accidents, I spend a lot of time thinking about uh, really? members of my family in car accidents. <gasps> oh no, yeah. Um, but not so much about, uh, did I turn the stove off? Right. But, uh, you know, and, and, and fretfulness is like macro level fretfulness. Like what things are going to kill me or members of my family? What oh, things God. are going to cause us to have very ill health or whatever? Um, but it's just, just kind of like background, background radiation. Alexander, not, you know. oh, Alexander, what do you think about? She says candy, candy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's thinking about candy. <laughs> when was the last time yeah. you just sat around and thought about candy? I feel like one of one of the most important skills I have. It's not a skill. It's uh, whatever it is. I didn't develop it. It has just it's always been there, uh, and I'm always been glad it's there. Is that so? Say you spend your time worrying that uh, every day, you know, whatever someone someone's commuting home from work and maybe they'll be killed uh, yeah. in a car accident. Sure, right? As you do, yes. Yeah, just just sort of like your baseline level of thinking about that. 
Um, yeah, like like if your if your wife if your wife is on the find my friends and she's been someplace for more than a couple minutes, I'm you not, figure I'm she's not probably even, d- like I don't I'm not checking on where she is. I'm not. Uh, okay. Never even right. get to the level. It's just like yeah, I don't just do that the, either. Just I don't in do general, that. it's like you know, statistically speaking, car accidents happen a lot, and know. you know, if she's just driving all the time she's been to and from work, fifteen minutes, she might be dead. Uh, yeah, yeah. Odds are, eventually, she's going to die in a car accident, right? But then she shows up at the house, and guess yes. what? She didn't die in a car accident. She could have called. Previous, she, she could have called. Yeah. No, no, no. My previous thinking about that accident disappears immediately. I don't hmm. care anymore. Are you it mad at her for not calling? No, it doesn't. Hmm. But like, it doesn't loom. Like the, the instant and retroactive relief of seeing that whatever thing I was worrying about didn't happen erases any concern I may have had about now it that, before. Now that's, that's irrational. That is irrational. I, you should still be just, mad. She should have called you. How hard is it? You pick up the phone, you call. No, I don't want her to call me. I no. do. I do avoid texting her a lot when I think she might be in the car because I do my, not my, want my to send her a text. I do not disturb, so I, I get a nasty grim. She could be dead, and she's she's. I'm sending auto responses from her automotive grave. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she does that. So I don't. I never want to send her a text when when she's. Oh, it's in got the a car real attitude. I don't, it's got a real attitude wanna, to it. I don't want to be the cause of the accident. No, I don't either. I don't either. But she, you know, it's not that hard. You pick up the phone, you call, you say, I'm going to be a little, a little bit late. No, I, see, I don't, I don't worry about that. I don't, don't want to bring, nice I don't thing bring to someone say. else into my fretting. I just want her to drive safely I'm driving with Do Not Disturb while driving turned on. I'll see your message when I get where I'm going. How do you know she says that if she doesn't respond back? Uh, she could be dead for all I know. It just seems it's not that hard. A nice person would call and say, I might be a little bit later dead. Yeah. <laughs> And kids are always trying. It to changes bath time. It changes everything. I got to think about dinner. Am I going to keep this warm? Should I go ahead and make pasta now? If she's dead, that changes the, well, that's, that's, the that's entire the thing about, about both of our wives. They don't care about the temperature of their food, so it could be stone cold. It's it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the, the cycles that I spend trying to make these people happy—it's sickening to me. How hard is it? You pick up the phone, you make a call. I, I find I find that uh, that freeing in that like I care about my food temperature yes. of my food, but the other people, it's like I, sometimes I forget. I'm like, what? Well, I kept your thing warm. Like I don't care. Like they'll eat it stone cold. They don't. They do not. You care. might as well have said I painted it yellow or I put it in a box. It means nothing. Really? Right, okay. Right. Thanks. You I, see uh, how is I put good it in the you? microwave with a little lid on it so it retains some of its heat. It's like oh, yeah. I don't care. And it doesn't get dried out. Hard as you pick up the phone, you make a call. Mm-hmm. 